with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's Film Reviews and Movie News with me, Stuart Pink, and some say he is the pinball wizard. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him play pinball, but I heard he plays a mean pinball. I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Yeah? Yeah, I'm not bad. But then, you know, uh, okay. I grew up with... I, you'll probably not remember these, but they used to be the really small tabletop ones that you used to get as a kid that were plastic. And if you oh, hit yeah. it too hard, the whole thing would jump up off the table and whatever else so i did have a few of those so yeah i'm not bad at pinball uh, i'm not amazing but you know i'm not bad um, i used to think it seems to me that it's very difficult to have a skill at it you just like press the button and then it goes up and i, I couldn't quite get it i didn't have the there's, there's people the force, there's people know, listening in now saying it is very much a skill um, oh, so, uh, yeah, no doubt. Yes, one. yes. A bit like skateboarding, you know, that's a skill. But I just it went where it wanted to go. The, the, the same with me. Yes, it <laughs> it went forward and I went backward. I mean, you know, that was it. Yeah. So yes, yeah, absolutely. So what we're saying is, some things which we should be good at because we grew up during that era, we're actually terrible at, or we're actually not bad at, but not the best. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You've got it. You haven't. And I think yes, yes. I have to say some of us haven't. Yeah, I was going to say, I think some of us don't have it, so it's fine. <laughs> what you have got, though, is uh, an insane knowledge of movies. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, yes, and, you know, new movies this week. We should start in the cinema, I guess. Um, we should start with a new film starring Ethan Hawke. Uh, it's called The Black Phone. And uh, it's Oh, I've got a... Oh, that's a red one. Sorry. Oh, well, that Stand was down. lucky then. That's lucky because Phew. what cool. you're going to hear in a minute, if you had a black phone, I think you'd be worried. So um, <laughs> this is uh, this is about a 13-year-old boy who, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, he starts to receive calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Oh, oh, so you see oh, why yeah. I'm saying if you'd right. have had a black phone, all of a sudden Very you're like, glad. hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is directed by Scott Derrickson, um, who has for most of his career actually worked in horror. I think probably his best film was Sinister back in 2012. He also did the original, uh, the first Doctor Strange movie as well. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, if you're a fan of Derrickson's horror stuff, then I think you're going to like The Black Phone because it very much feels like a sort of sister movie, especially to Sinister as well. There is a very um, through line here. It's not full-blown horror. So you're going to say, oh, I'm, I might be all right. I'm going to tell you you're not because I know you don't like your horror. This is the thing. <laughs> I've seen the 30-second trailer and that was enough. Right. Well, um, that's yeah, the thing. Yes. So it... <laughs> It's being marketed as a horror. I don't think it is. I think it is more a sense of unease and general creepiness in this film. And, you know, most of Scott Derrickson's previous work, actually. So it's got this slightly eerie edge to it. Now, the film is set in the late 1970s. So it very much plays on the fear and paranoia that was around at that time. You know, not just obviously set in the US as well. So not just nationally with things like serial killers making the front pages of the news, but then also locally with scare stories that I think many of us have heard about, you know, a local bogeyman or something similar that, uh, you know, if you don't get home at night, you know, blah, 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 oh, etc. Yeah. So this film... We've got a big black dog around here. 
Ah, so so there you go. Yeah. You see these local yeah. legends, these local um, <laughs> uh, myths, and whatever else. As I said, local bogeyman. This film plays on that. It ramps up the tension from from back in that day. You know, before the internet, yeah. before anybody could debunk anything, basically. And I think it does a really fine job of it slowly creep. You know, the tension slowly creeping into the film. So rather than it be a straight up horror film, it's very much dealing with paranoia and themes of dread and fear. And I think it's smartly done from that angle. Um, the genuine scares in the movie come from the grabber, as he's known here, um, because we <laughs> only see him occasionally at first. And when he does finally snatch uh, Finney, who is the 13 year old boy, it's done in such a genuinely scary way that even I was scared. And I mean, I've seen, you know, or oh, you've seen, all I, I've seen countless horror very films, scary but the moment it happened, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that at all. Oh. I've got to be honest oh. <laughs> it, because it never felt anything less than very real. And from then on, the film keeps the grabber at arm's length, pardon the pun there, for a lot of the film. So he sort of appears every so often in, in a variety of truly horrifying masks that I think even the guys who made the League of Gentlemen TV series would be very proud of. Um, and, I mean, what really got me, to be honest, was the disconnected phone being used as an instrument of communication to the dead. You know, so it's very much playing on the supernatural elements here. You know, it's, it's very much operating in a supernatural realm. So those first few times when the phone rings and there's nobody at the other end, and then finally somebody answers back to Finney. Scary stuff. Like, I know I said it's not horror, but it is scary. But it's but not... Yeah. It's not, You'd be creeped out by that. It, exactly, you're life. right there. You'd be yeah. creeped out by it. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gruesome, scary. It's it's chilling. It's it's fearness. You know, it's fearful stuff like that. So yeah. I think if you're coming to the black phone for some genuine jump scares and being frightened about oh what's in the basement oh what's in the attic sort of stuff, then you're going to be a bit disappointed because it's not got many of those at all. Really, instead. This film plays on the very real, very genuine fears of kids being snatched straight off the street. And it does it at, in a time period, as I said, the late 70s, when paranoia was at an all time high. So it's very cleverly playing on very real fears that I think a lot of people, whether you're a parent or not, mm will have experienced at some point, especially if you live through, as I said, that 70s period with, you know, the the height of the Cold War and the uh, and the fear of being snatched off the street and everything. So for me, this is a very clever little, I keep wanting to say horror, but it's not. It's, I'm going to say thriller. I'm going to say thriller. But thriller. as I said, I could say supernatural thriller. I could say true life thriller. I could say true life horror. I could say true life supernatural. You know, I could say all of these. Yeah. I'm, I'm still oh. hesitating to use the word horror, but I think I think it's easier to say, yes, it sits in the horror genre. So I'm just wondering, I mean, we're trying to, to make it a bit less scary. Yes. He's got, he's got a basement and then a phone in the basement. Yes. What's the phone doing in the basement? It's a bit random, isn't it? <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, well, uh, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to be diplomatic. Oh, you can't spoil it. Yeah, I can't spoil it. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, 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 
there's there's things about it. Okay, but look, you saw okay. the thirty second trailer. You saw yeah, the grabber's mask. Did that scare you? I'm glad I haven't got a phone like that. And um, yeah, I'll be seeing that mask for a while. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that. I mean, it's a very. There are several different versions, uh, different masks that he uses in the film. I've got to say that Ethan Hawke plays oh, okay. the grabber, by the way, and um, he's very good in it. But it, it's the mask that reminded me a bit of Bo Selector that kind of scared me the most, <laughs> to be honest, because there's a there's there's a mask that he's got that basically yeah. covers the lower half of his face. And I it, think that's the one in the poster. That's the it? one in the poster. Yes, thank you. Yeah. That looks like a bow selector mask because also he's got these massive <laughs> like bow selector type glasses as well. But then he's got this stovepipe hat. Like Craig David with Helm. Yeah, Craig David with a stovepipe hat, <laughs> but looking really menacing. And it's it honestly, it's truly scary. So I'm watching it going, it's League of Gentlemen, it's bow selector, but at the same time, it's really scary. Wow. Do you think this would be a mask that everyone will wear Halloween? I do think so, yes. As yeah, soon as I watched it, I thought, this is this is somebody who's going to be used quite a lot. <laughs> we need a new icon because everyone's going as Ghostbusters. is getting a bit out Well, now. it's true. It's true. I, but I think that's the good thing about the horror genre over the past few years is, you know, you and I have reviewed some films where I've said to you, this character is going to be emulated in other films or you're going to see people, you know, dress up as them at Halloween or something like that. That's great. I like that about it, that we're getting these yeah. new, distinct horror icons. Because, you know, for decades we had, what, Freddy, Jason, um, uh, Leatherface, you know, Norman yeah. Bates. Um, uh, um, Ghost with a sheet over the head. Ghost with a sheet over the head. Yeah, Norman Bates. You know, all of these where you're like, okay, yeah, great, fantastic. But we need some new ones. They're, we're finally getting them. And they're just as oh, scary oh. as the original ones. Although you've got to maybe give it a year or so, otherwise people won't have seen it. And I, then I do and, oh, agree. Go, you? Yes, yes, I do agree. People are like, I <laughs> don't know like. Yeah, I tell, like, you know, um, the Babadook. You know, the Babadook is now one of the new horror icons. Um, okay. The same as, this is weird to say, but the same as the goat in The Witch. You know, uh, I think it's, <laughs> is it Black Philip? I think it's called the goat. You know, new horror oh. icons. And this is great. Yeah. I love the fact that we get these characters now where you're going, yeah, I'm still pretty scared of that, even though it's been five years since I've seen the film. Nice. So you look. For, are you going to get yourself one of the masks for, um, <laughs> you know, just prosperity? No, I'm really not. No, good, thank I'm God. I'm really not. No. I can still come around then. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes. Yeah. We're not. Gonna, next time we meet up, I'm not going to be wearing a stovepipe hat and some sort He's of bow selector outfit on, you know. Um, no, definitely not. So black phone uh, cinemas in cinemas, yeah, absolutely. So you know, in the pitch black of uh, oh god, <laughs> turn your phone off when you watch it, but it'll probably still ring. Yes, anyway. exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's why you'll never see it, won't you? That's the thing. <laughs> what else you got for us? Uh, so n- streaming from, well, I say streaming. That's the wrong word. Uh, on Sky Cinema is a film called The Survivor, and it is a true story. Uh, it's during World War Two. Harry Haft was a boxer who fought against his peers in concentration camps. Years later, and haunted by his memories, he tries to use fighting boxing legends as a way to find his love. So, oh, as I said, true story. Well, um, what a story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it is a boxing movie. And the boxing matches between Harry Haft 
and some of the iconic boxers are really heavy hitting scenes. And yes, yeah. the boxing matches in the concentration camps are horrible to watch. Just plain horrible. You know, that's the thing. Mm. Yet, I think the real punches thrown here are the struggles that Harry Haft has to deal with, you know, with, with his memories of the things he was actually forced to do in Auschwitz, in the concentration camps, to some of his fellow prisoners of war. And I think this is where the film is absolutely brilliant and absolutely heartbreaking at the same time. Because we yeah. watch Harry Half try and deal with these memories all by himself. Because, you know, there was no talking about mental health back in the 1950s and 1960s, especially not amongst men, especially not no. amongst big burly men who, you know, like like to fight. I mean, it was a, it was a huge Boxes. sign of yeah, weakness. You could imagine that. Exactly. That's Ringside the thing. chat. Yeah. yeah. So we have Harry Haft struggling internally with these demons every single day. He does find the love of a woman who tries to help him, but he's so closed off to her from all of that. You know, he just, he just doesn't open up. So this film has a lot to say about physical and emotional scars that are left on a person long after events have happened. And certainly about those who have perpetrated them, who have disappeared from the world as well. So this film is very much an advocate for getting help, no matter what your situation is or your standing in society. So in that regard, regardless of the boxing, it's such an important story to be told. Yeah. That's the thing. However, the boxing is really tough in this film. As, as I said, you know, the scenes in the concentration camp really turned my stomach. But I don't think it would have had anywhere near as much impact if you hadn't have shown them. You know, I'm pleased that they were kept in mm. because you got a greater sense of what Harry Haft was going through at that time and then years later. Um, and I think the reason the film is so emotionally raw is because of the amazing, absolutely amazing, and I, I genuinely use this word every time I see this guy act, it's because of the amazing performance by Ben Foster as Harry Haft. You know, okay, sure, it's going to invoke memories of De Niro and Raging Bull because you have Harry Haft, you know, in the concentration camps, incredibly skinny, as to be expected, um, and then when he comes out, He's put on a lot of weight. And Ben Foster did that whole thing of losing the weight and then putting it back on. So you oh, can't... That's always impressive. Yeah, exactly. So you can't yeah. get away from the comparisons of De Niro and Raging Bull. But this is a very different performance. This is one of having a very steely exterior, but a very soft interior. But you can't show that soft interior because that's not who this person is. And if those who are running the concentration camps find that out, then... He will be for it as well. That's the thing, you know. So yeah. going back to it, Ben Foster. Tough role to It is. To absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. But I don't think I don't think there's many actors who could have pulled it off anywhere near as good as Ben Foster. It, it, he gives everything in this performance. He he's just one of, if not the most underrated actors of this generation. I mean, he's absolutely sensational here. And I really nice. hope people see this film just for this performance. I mean, the film itself is brilliant anyway, but Ben Foster's brilliant here. Absolutely. And everybody is, is bouncing off him so well. Danny DeVito's in this as well. Um, Vicky Cripps is in this as well. You know, they're all bouncing off him brilliantly. Peter Skarsgård is in this as well. And it all works. It all works so well. So, you know, the, you, people should see this film as i said for ben foster but also just to see the film because of how good a storytelling it is and it reminded me 
it kind of took me back to the 70s and, and films made by somebody like Sidney Lumet. This is the type of film that I would imagine Lumet would have made in the 70s. You know, it's a touching drama about toxic masculinity and increasing expectations on a very macho man. But it's also dealing with PTSD as well. You know, you've got very real people here as well. So it's a classic film made in a modern era. And it is, I keep saying this as well, it's simply excellent from start to finish. It really is. Sounds fantastic. So I see, obviously, I'm getting shades of Rocky. Yes. Because I, I can see all the pictures of him running along a beach. And uh, obviously, sure, you know, sure. Memories, yes. Yeah. Ghosts. It's, it's so far away from Rocky, though. This is the thing. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I mean, you, the problem is you can't get away from the Rocky elements because it's a boxing movie. You just can't. Every boxing movie is going to have Rocky elements to it. Um, but this is different. This is telling a story of somebody who had to fight for his life in concentration mm. camps was literally put up in a boxing ring and was had to fight the people who he was, you know, incarcerated with and whoever lost was shot in the ring. So he was oh fighting God. for his life. This is one of those where they make a true story about this. You think, well, have we heard of this before? This is a, but you know, um, yeah, absolutely. But man. you know, we, we've reviewed a lot of movies that uh, tell stories during World War One, World War Two, or you know any of the other wars that we had no idea about, because we're getting to that point now where some of these smaller yeah. stories, which were just as important, which was just as impactful and just as harrowing, are finally getting told, and I think that's great. I really do. And when you get a movie like Survivor that tells it in such a way that you go, "Wow, I didn't know anything about this, but I've come away being educated and informed," and I don't want to say a having, a, having a really good time because that's the wrong terminology for it. But <laughs> and being entertained as well, maybe not, but just being flawed. Yes. KO'd. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I think that's the best way of saying it. Um, so, you know, long may it rain that we we get more movies like this that tell small stories, but we're now getting to see them on a bigger scale. Amazing. So the Survivor... Where is it's, it? Well, it's on Sky Cinema. This is the thing. Ah, so okay. if you've got Sky Cinema, you can see it on there. Um, and it's on there, yeah. So that's the only place you can see it, unfortunately. I hope they release it on DVD. Um, it would be a, a good... Fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully so. But for now, just on Sky Cinema. Awesome. What you got for us on the podcast? So um, I've got something that, obviously, I think you or I would be very interested in. Anyway, so this is a film called Cannon Arm and the Arcade Quest. Oh, yes, we've all been there. I feel like we went on this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Before. So yeah. it's the story of Kim Cannon Arm, who is determined to beat the world record for playing an arcade game nonstop. So he set his sights on playing Gyrus, the 1980s arcade game, for 100 hours. My God. Think about that. 100 hours. 100 hours. hours. What's that like? That's over th four days, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, your wrists would be just so. Well, jelly. he can take a break. He get the the world record <laughs> oh, okay. is you can take a break and you can have a little nap and whatever else. And it, it is in the document, but it's it's about an hour or something like that. That's it, you know. Um, now this film confused me a bit because I thought it was a documentary for a really long time. In fact, 
it's a scripted comedy drama shot very much like a documentary. And it mixes oh, okay. real life arcade history and game pioneers with the story that we're watching. And that I think that's a really interesting way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of tricks you a bit. Yeah. So you go along with it. So what's the actual story like? Well, you know, it's fun. We meet Kim Cannon Arm. He's like this wiry older man who just loves hanging out at the arcade and playing games. He's got a bunch of friends who do the same and they all see they're all the very definition of arcade nerds. And I say I've that I've got to say, he looks like one of my friends if he was older. Okay. Who does like arcade games. Okay. And I, I say this all in a positive way. I say this from being a nerd myself. I say this from somebody who goes to Comic Cons all the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of chatter about breaking the record, and they even talk about the real-world title holder, Billy Mitchell. Now, for anybody who's seen King of Kong, you'll know who Billy Mitchell is, okay? Um, so they're, they're mixing real-world stuff here. There's lots of jokes. Then there's some st- strategic planning for how they can keep Cannon Arm standing for 100 hours. I love the ideas that they throw about, like including making him continuously walk on a slow-moving running machine while he's playing the arcade game. <laughs> Just to let you know, that was declined, okay? They decided oh, not to go oh, with that. Illegal. But these guys really put in a load of ideas and then devise a plan on how best to utilise their confirmed ideas as well. So it's kind of, it's, it's weirdly, it's a bit like the A-team to a certain degree, I guess. <laughs> So the whole film is building and building and building. And at the same time, we get to know Cannon Arm a bit better. We see his life. I mean, not not that there's much one anyway. Um, We also see his influences as well. There's even a history section for arcade games that he grew up with. It's quite a well-rounded character description. And I wasn't quite expecting that. I've got to be honest. Um, Yeah, yeah. Of course, everybody is depth waiting. Depth of character. Yeah, exactly. Depth of character in an arcade, <laughs> a movie about a guy trying to break arcade records. You wouldn't get that normally. Um, of course, everybody's waiting for the, the world record attempt to start. I won't say how it goes because that would spoil oh. it. Oh. I will say this. I still thought it was a genuine documentary even towards the end. And I was really getting <laughs> excited at the attempt as to, as to what was happening. So I was sat there going, yes, go on. Yes, yes. Go, go. And I'm like, hang on, it's not a document. It's not a real thing. It's not a documentary. So I enjoyed this, even though it did fox me by being a fake documentary that looks very much like a real documentary. Um, It's certainly one for gamers. No two ways about it. And I like the fact that it has got, you know, it's got a little bit of a human emotion running through it as well. Nice. That's cool. I like the sound of this. So where's where's this? So this is in cinemas at the moment. So Canon Arm and the Arcade Quest. I mean, it's the best title ever anyway. (laughs) Presumably in every cinema at the back of the screen, they've also got the game. Imagine if they had. Oh, they should, shouldn't they? Imagine if they had. Amazing. Have a go yourself. That would be amazing. For 100 hours, because that'd be a bit rough. Well, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, you could. I mean, I couldn't even imagine playing it for an hour. Because remember, it's an old fashioned computer game. So it's just got the joystick and two buttons. That's it. And the joystick is the one that's got the, you know, the, (laughs) like the knob on the top of it. So, you know, it's not, it's not good for your hand either. It's not like a PlayStation controller these days. I'm big old bald. Listen, I, I bow to your knowledge. (laughs) I, I don't have one of those anymore. But, you know, Maybe that's why my hand hurts so much in this day and age is that I played too much arcade. It could be. Yeah. All these people are now getting sort of early signs of arthritis. 
Was it arcade related? Yes. Yes. Arcade writers. Was it was it Space Invaders related? Was it Pong related? Was it Pac-Man related? Possibly. But now look, I always used to like the ones with the guns because they were more sort of, you know, felt like real. You could go into the booth and then you were like you were there. But you see, back in the day, they were the most expensive ones to play. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose they are, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I never got to go on those much. No, <laughs> it scarred him. Yes, feel the, feel the pain there. <laughs> oh, lovely! That sounds cool. That yeah, it is. It is really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. As I said, you know, for the gamers out there, I include myself because you know, I, for decades I played games, uh, arcade games, and then you know, console games. Um, I just had such a good time with this. I wonder if they bring this out on DVD. Whether they'll do like a little, like play along bit. Ah, oh. as a bonus feature. Do you know what I mean? That'd be so cool. I'm I'm going to have to find out if they do something like that. That would yeah. be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, like yeah. during the game bits. Oh, that would be brilliant. On the remote. <laughs> oh, now you've got me thinking about it. Oh, amazing. Oh yes. Make it happen, people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what you got for next week, Mark? Next week, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Oh, they're back. They're the back. I mean, return. not that they've been anywhere. Let's be honest. I mean, I think we're now no. just living in a Minions world. But they're back, and we can all do this. Um, we can all say this. Bottom. <laughs> we can do that. Okay, right. But so so Minions are back. There's a new one. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about another animated movie called Pompo, the Cinephile. This is an animated, uh, anime movie all about a young man who takes a job working for a very famous film director. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. I know. And then DVD and Blu-ray, we're, we're going to talk about Morbius. Morbius. Morbius, 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 the Marvel movie starring Jared Leto. Excellent. Oh, it's all going on. Well, it is. So kind week. of. So next week, two two animated movies and one superhero movie. That is 100% my back. Yeah, I thought it might be. I thought it oh, might yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, um, I'll get the pennies out of the car and we'll go down the arcade. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to... Uh, doing a two-player with you and seeing who gets the furthest. Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this little podcast for years now. Mark has watched and expertly reviewed hundreds of films and I've made hundreds of terrible jokes. They're all available to listen to again if you subscribe to the Film Reviews and Movie News podcast. It's freely available wherever you get your podcasts from, or you can find all the latest episodes and everything else I do online at stuartpink.com. <laughs> <laughs>